we're just going to quickly thank Terry and Sarah. Terry, you got to turn around and look at the people. Um, so in January, after 33 years of being a, a board elder, Terry has um, decided to step down and open the way for other people to, to take that position in the future. 33 years of being an elder. And then Sarah in January made the choice to step away from being children's pastor. She's getting a great education at Boise State University. And we're hoping and praying and believing that this summer she's going to get a job that is going to take her out of the four walls of this church and she's going to impact our world. So let's give Sarah also a round of applause. So this morning, this is just a token. You know, I, we've got a million dollars in heaven for you, but <laughs> this is just a token of our appreciation for everything that you've done. Let me look here. Terry, those are all yours. And if you um, brought a card and didn't get them, get it to them after the service, make sure that you hand them a card. If you didn't know about this and um, want to give them a card, they're obviously going to be around a lot in the future. But I, I just want to real quick just pray over them. Father, I just thank you for the way that they have both poured out their lives on behalf of the kingdom of God. They have worked in the four walls of this church, and they have been selfless, Lord God, in their ministry, that Terry has prayed and brought things before you, and because of his prayers, that doors were opened that were supposed to open, and doors were closed that were supposed to be closed, and he received your wisdom. And Father, for everything that Sarah did, God, I just ask that you bless her in all the areas that she cannot bless herself and that you again just prove to her what a mighty, mighty God you are and that her job that she gets, Father, will be something that will be such joy in her life. But at the same time, both of these people will still impact your kingdom in Jesus' name. Let's give another round of applause. Amen. We're going to ask the ushers to go ahead and come this morning. There's several things in your bulletin we'd like you to draw your attention to. Some things, uh, changes coming to Conversation 45. Be taking a look at that. Uh, if you are new to us, we invite you to fill out this portion of your bulletin. Turn that into us. Also have some great reminders for you on what is coming your way in the, in the weeks, uh, months ahead. Bow your heads with us. Father, we are grateful to you today. We thank you for your holy presence in our lives. We thank you for the influence that these people have in this community and the surrounding communities because we believe in a God who is powerful in the midst of his people. Bless the giving of this people. This morning in your name we pray. Amen.
this morning. We've asked the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to be here today. <laughs> of course, like always, but these chairs aren't for that. I'd like um, Jeff and Sherry Greenwald to come up. They are back from Thailand. Let's hear it. Okay, you two, I know you begged to do this. You just love doing this. And um, I just couldn't help but at least welcome you back as a body of believers. Yay. They represented us so well. Mm. I wish we could take credit for you because uh, God has done such wonderful things through your lives. I want, Jeff, uh, you shared with me out in the foyer. How was the trip? Put the mic real close. Yeah, it's kind of hard. Not that close. That's good. That's good. Um, Build back it, it up. It's kind of hard to, to get it all out in just a few words. Um, to go do a trip like that is it's an incredible experience. If anybody has ever done that in the past, you know what it feels like. If you haven't gone, I, I exhort you to go and do this because it really opens your eyes. Oh, to, d- um, um, I always get confused between Taiwan and Thailand. Oh. <laughs> and, I, and I looked at the map, and, you know, Taiwan is surrounded by water. It's an island. It's Thai water. They went to where there's land, Thailand. And I, it will help me, I think. I may not help you, but uh, Taiwan's surrounded by water. That's Thai water. And they went to Thailand, right? In Chiang Mai, Thailand. And uh, Pastor Ray and Misty McDonald are the pastors over that missionary outreach. And uh, were your former pastors at one time. Still are kind of your pastors. And we love sharing them that way. And Sherry's on the board. Or you're the secretary treasurer of the organization, yeah? All right. Well, anyway, we're going to have slides and more in detail when we get... They have just fell off the banana boat just yesterday, so or Friday. So we're going to give them time to organize a little slideshow. Uh, Pastor Ray sent me a message, thanked us for sending you two to them, and he's going to send some slides. But we're just going to give you a quick just update. They're back safe, and they went on a missionary trip for us. And you were talking about what we sent over there with you. Yeah, um, the church was gracious enough to amass 50 backpacks and put all the supplies in those backpacks, and we were able to take them to um, an orphanage over there in northern Thailand, and we were able to give those to those kids, and those kids don't even know, they don't understand what was in those backpacks. They, they had to learn how to use glue, staplers. They had to understand what gum was. They just, they've never had that stuff. So, so what'd they do with gum when they finally figured it um, out? Well, one little boy, I noticed he looked like a little chipmunk. He had probably, <laughs> he had the whole pack of gum in his mouth at one time. And I'll have to say we forgot to tell him one important thing is it's not to swallow. <laughs> so I would imagine a lot of gum got eaten completely on the trip. But their, their faces lit up. They were so blessed by those backpacks. So thank you all for that. Sherry, what was your takeaway in a nutshell today? And then we'll let you go into more detail later, but. I think, um, well, I know before we left that y'all prayed for us, and uh, my biggest worry was I wasn't going to represent. You know, just loving on them is representing. You know, even though there was such a language barrier, there's different uh, languages in Thai, um, just them seeing who is within us they have that same person within them. And so that communication was an understanding of, oh, my goodness, these people do love us. And I know Jeffrey called it an orphanage, and and our concept of an orphanage 
is where kids don't have parents. I didn't understand that. Well, that's not the way this is. It's like a children's home slash orphanage. And so it's children that come from families out of villages that can't or don't have schooling. And so they, it's almost like a boarding school and they send their kids to these children's homes to be taught in school and they learn their Thai and they learned uh, English. And just to fathom, you know, boarding school is not normal for us. I mean, we have so many educators here with our schools right here. The kids come home, we help them with their homework, yada, 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 but mm. not there. Wow. They send their kids. And so when you first see these children, you just think, oh my gosh, they're not going back home till school season's over. And then they go back to their village and then they turn around and they come back. And we're talking about ages, I think it's three or four up until 18. Wow. Can you imagine? Wow. It's unimaginable. But these children are just uh, thankful. They are um, smart. They're just, I think their biggest thing is when we first got, I mean, there were so many things that we did, but talking about just the children's home, when we got there, some of them were just coming out of taking showers mm -hmm. to get cleaned up. And then the first thing they did was they sat around and they had one of their young men playing the guitar leading them in worship. Wow. And he might have been maybe 13, 14 years old. Wow. And it was songs that we know because wow. you could hear the music and you're like, oh my golly, I know that song. Yeah, you had tongues and interpretation right there. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then after the, and they were all involved. It wasn't just half hearted, half, and no, they were all involved. And when they said it's time to pray, the kids prayed. And it was just, wow. You know, I mean, for kids to not even be next to their parents to do this. I mean, they were just, this is just what we do. And uh, it was just, like he said, they didn't know anything about gum. They glued. One little boy thought it was lotion. So he put all over his hands. And Sister Missy's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and so they both had to show him glue, you know, put it on your finger, put it on a paper. Oh, my golly, look, this is what it does. Staplers, how do you, what is that? Put them in the stapler and then staple the paper together. And then Sister Missy took it, shoved it in her thumb. Oh, it's bleeding. We don't do that. That's a no-no. <laughs> I mean, and these are children. You know, our children know this. It's because we teach them. But they didn't, wow. these are things they don't even have, things we take for granted granted that they have no concept of. Wow. One of my biggest things was um, going into the girls' rooms and talking to them about where they sleep, what they, well, not really talking. We did a lot of laughing <laughs> as Sherry tried, and they laughed at you, and they're like, no, 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 no. But just seeing where they sleep, mm. seeing how they go about their day, seeing the interaction with each other, it was just remarkable. This one little girl, she had her notebook out. And you could tell they're learning English. She was doing some writing. I said, let me see. Let me see. No, 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 no. So then I took her paper. I wrote, Jesus loves you. Well, right on top of that, she wrote, Jesus loves you in Thai. Mm. So she knew. Mm. She knew. I don't know how much English she knows, but she knew enough of that. We taught them the B-I-B-L-E song, and we had them holding up the letters. Well, a lot of the kids aren't quite that far yet, but this one gal, she was telling another one, I think that says Bible. 
And then, of course, Sister Misty heard it, and so we tried to bring her up to help sing the song. Well, that didn't go over so well. Then she got real shy. Mm -hmm. But the kids were, like, all about it. I taught them how to say howdy <laughs> only because it was fun. Yeah. It was just fun. Teaching them swadika oh. means hello, how are you, but howdy. And the kids say, no, 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 no. And then the interpreter says, Howdy, Swadika. And then they go, Howdy. You know, it was just like, oh, yeah, that's the way it is. And then just doing the VBS thing with them, we got all involved with them. We brought the kids involved. Without that interpreter, we couldn't understand the words. But they understood even without translation. And I, I think that's one of the biggest things. And it wasn't just with the kids, it was each village we went to. And it's awesome. You know, it was just. It I was can't wait remarkable. to see your, your slideshow. Be so fun. They're such beautiful people. Oh, That's they are. one thing I They're just, it just grips me how gorgeous these They're such beautiful children. Jeff, what was your takeaway as we close this today that I thought was so poignant, what you said to me in the well, foyer? Two things I kind of took away from it was um, these people in Thailand, they're so hungry for the gospel. And when you teach it to them, they, they just drink it in. They absorb it so much. And they just take every word and everything you say. And then another takeaway that I had was it just kind of lit a fire in our hearts. Um, not that I'm going to go tomorrow and live there. It's just that it has planted a seed in me and a, and, a, and a need and a want to go over there and help the children. I just have a desire to help these kids to grow up and learn the gospel because mm. Christianity is very small there, maybe 3%. Mm -hmm. It's mostly Buddhist. And so wow. that's my Can takeaway. we just give a hand to Jeff and Sherry? that was perfect. Thank you, Jesus. I am pretty excited about the message today because I know God's given it to us. Uh, I pray that every Sunday, of course, but we know we're human and, and uh, sometimes you have pizza the night before and you wonder, is it pizza, is it Jesus? And I don't want to rattle you that the pastor's not always 100% right. What I love about Jesus is when you give it your best shot, God makes something out of it anyway, you know. And so if your heart's right, you don't have to be the perfect testimony, the perfect witness. You know that God will do something. The people that brought you to Jesus didn't say it perfectly. They didn't have it all scripted out. But somehow it got into your heart. So I, with my confidence, say, you know, it's God that makes the tongue, God that makes the ear. And he can connect the two today no matter what. And I'm excited. Well, one of the scriptures that I felt on my heart as even coming today and hearing what was going on, I'm just going to share this. This is just a bonus today. It's out of Hebrews 6, thinking about the prayer we prayed over all of you, not just for those in school, but for you in society and going out into the world. Hebrews 6, 18, or excuse me, 17 says, um, God has also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for our refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is strong and trustworthy, and an anchor of our souls. 
And we say to that, amen and amen. I'd like you to turn with me this morning as we launch this message. Go ahead, guys, and go to the title slide. Out of John 8, we're talking about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I uh, heard Lori and Tammy and Kyle, they, they said, Pastor, we need to pray for our teachers. And I said, oh, yeah, that's right. You guys, what is it different about this time? And boy, I was conceptualizing with them and conceptualizing. Then I go away and Lori says, you know, it's all about Jesus. You know, we can try to figure this out and fix it, but let's just get into Jesus first because it's all about him. He's the anchor of our soul. And in fact, Jesus says seven I am's in the book of John. It's awesome. And in John 8, chapter, John 8, verse 12, he says, Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We stand with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this people. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you have chosen to call us your children. Father, oh, what great love you've bestowed upon us. This morning, God, open our hearts and minds to hear and receive and be ministered to from the great I am. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, oh, would you go greet somebody in the name of the Lord? Let them know you're happy they're here. Jesus made a bold statement. I am the light of the world. I'm the light of life. And a man that says that's either a liar tells the truth. Because you can't go either way on that one. But those ways. And we know who have found a hope in Jesus how true that is. And we'll find out today that when it comes to the light of God, it's always in the beginning. Go with me to John 1, the very first chapter in John. And look at this, what John 3 through 5 says about Jesus. All things, everybody say all. all. That's a lot. <laughs> all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Have you ever flipped a switch on in the bedroom and saw what the battle, and you know, you never know if the darkness or light's going to win. It's always, goes on for about five minutes, a big battle between dark. Or do you flip the switch and in the speed of light, darkness goes away? <laughs> light was the first thing God spoke into existence. Now go to the very beginning of your Bibles, chapter 1 of Genesis, the very first chapter. Now, this really helped me explain that scripture that says all things were made through him and without him was not anything made. This portion of scripture, now what's really cool 
<laughs> couple things. One is one of my students, Vic Brown, second year I taught, is here today, and I just want to embarrass you, Vic, just like I did when you were in my class. I made you stand up and read orally out of the ninth grade reading book. <clears throat> and we taught earth science, and it, it, what a blast from the past. I see a young man come up, and he's grown up, and he's turned out so much better than I feared, and, and uh, <laughs> played football for me, and he still went on and played more football and got a real coach and then did really well. Um, but I think about as an earth science teacher this portion of scriptures. And something evaded me. I didn't realize I'd either forgot or I hadn't seen that because for years, I know science doesn't conflict with the guy who invented science. Truth never counters God. If science proves a truth, God's not surprised and he's not opposed to it and he's not saying you just ruined all my doctrine. Truth usually ruins our doctrines, doesn't ruin God's. You know, the whole church's doctrine was the earth was flat. And when they tried to prove it was round, they thought it was sacrilegious. It didn't make God mad. In fact, the Bible, when you research it, found out the Bible was validated by the truth that the earth was round. It just messes with your doctrine. It doesn't mess with God. Truth is God. And God is truth. And when science is on an unbiased track and discovers the truth, it doesn't negate God. So I've always believed that. So I knew Genesis was lined up with the creation story, with evolution. It's in the same order. You know, the Bible doesn't say man was made and then God made all these animals. And then the creatures in the ocean and then... No, no, it went in the same order that evolution just proves the order. It's pretty amazing. Except for one thing. I don't know why this eluded me. Maybe because it would have messed with me early on, but... Genesis 1, 1 through 5. Look at this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And what was over the face of it? Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God, that's deep darkness, by the way. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be first thing God created. In that sense, yeah, we know the earth is there. But he created light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. I've always read that and just threw the sun and moon in there. Then the second day comes, waters separated from the land, and it was so, and God called the expanse heaven, and then there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. Verse 9, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and Thailand showed up. And the waters that were gathered surrounded Taiwan, and together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation. Plants, yielding seed, life is beginning to come onto the planet. Each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants, yielding seed according to their own kinds. And trees bearing fruit. By the way, this is in the order of what scientists believe the order is. <laughs> it's amazing. 
and trees bearing fruit in which there is seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning. How, what day? Three days. Now, day number four. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs, for seasons, for days and years. Let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights. The greater light to rule the day. What's it called? Sun. When does the sun show up? Day four. Same with the moon. And as a science teacher... I wouldn't say I'm a scientist, but I guess I kind of am. I got even more thrilled. Because for three days, Jesus was the life of the planet. There was no artificial light. There was no natural light. There was no any other kind of light except what it says in John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And He was the light of men, and He was the light of life, and He is. And everything that was made was made through Him and for Him. And for three days, it was all about Jesus. Because nothing could live. Nothing could have light. It was gross darkness on the planet. But it was lit up somehow. And plants were emerging. You and I don't need the sun and the moon and the stars to live on this planet. In that sense, it's all about Jesus. I, I am so thrilled the Lord is just shouting in a tender voice. From the beginning of this service, it's not about gun control. It's not about getting the parents squared away. Who's in control? The government needs to take control. Who needs to take control? I got to tell you, it's a complicated issues, and complicated issues don't have simple answers. Except the life of men and the light of men. We are surrounded by greatness. It may look like I'm surrounded by darkness, but if the sun went out and the moon went out, my life would shine. Because he's my light. And he's my life. No matter what the surroundings in the natural universe, he is now and will forever be my light. And forever my life. He is your light and your life. He is the light of men. If you don't understand Old English, he's the light of women too. He's the light of all creation. He's the light in the hearts of men. He's the light of my little dog, Gabe. Because it isn't Susie and I most of the time, I can tell you. Now, here's where it gets really fun, if it hasn't been already. Where Kevin pulled out a mining story about his dad, I can only think of one of all the stories Kevin could have told today. And in my notes right here, it says, tell Bert's story. And the story I want to tell is one that will be semi-accurate because it's Bert's story that I'm telling. And Bert can clean this up and maybe it'll bring up questions. You just got to ask Bert more questions. Let him make this a more accurate story. But I think I'm going to get the gist of it. When Bert was a young man with four children, living in Kellogg, he worked in the mines. And if you've ever been in a mine, which most of us haven't, I have been, you want darkness? Bert talked about it. It's gross darkness. You go a mile underground with no natural light, you hold your hand, you can't see your hand until, even if it hits your nose, you don't see it. 
It is a darkness you have never experienced, most of us. It's amazing how you realize in the darkest dark, you weren't even in the darkest dark. Go to a mine a mile underground and have everybody shut off the lights. And Kevin's telling this story today. And I'm looking at Susie, looking at me, and I'm looking at Susie. And I felt, okay, God. At some point during this mine time, Bert walks by a deep hole and says, man, if somebody fell down that hole, it'd kill him. Him and his partner talking, you know. Was that the day before? The next day, Bert's walking across that hole and the planks slide, give way, move. They weren't nailed down somewhat and he fell right through that hole. 80 feet. 70? Down, it wouldn't matter to me at that point. <laughs> I wouldn't hear anything over my screaming. Down a mine shaft. Bert, my remembrance of the, how he tells the story is that he comes to laying on your back. Gross darkness except for one thing. His headlight. Of course, knocked off laying next to him, attached to a battery pack on his back that he has crushed under the weight of the fall. No reason this lamp should still be lit, but it was. And from my memory, Bert said all he could think about and all he could see was that light. It's the only comfort he had. And he reached and grabbed this light that shouldn't even be lit. And he clung it to his chest. And it became his lifeline until the men who came down to get a dead man came down and found him alive clinging to that light. Did that light ever go out, Bert? At some point it finally faded out, the light. Don't remember at that point. But that light was a comfort. It was the light of men at that point. It was on and it shouldn't have been on. But there's something about light in the darkness. In the greatest, grievous despair, there's a light that never goes out. And in your deepest, darkest night, there's a light. And that's your life. If you think your life is the surroundings and circumstances you will learn the older you get that Jesus Christ is the solid rock on which we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Go with me to Habakkuk chapter 3. And most of us have to go to the front of our Bible to find where Habakkuk is. But go to Habakkuk. It's one of they call the minor prophets towards the back of your Old Testament. I believe we're reading out of the New Living Translation here. Yes. The prophet says this, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, wow, what a dark, despairing set of circumstances this would be. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Wow. Do you need to underline that this morning in your Bibles? Do you need to put it on Scripture on your forehead and every day look at Though the fig tree 
does not blossom. One of the things that was my greatest privilege being in Pastor Burton Pat's church was they were counterintuitive for me. See, my natural man is to not like my circumstances, so I kind of... Susie has one of the greatest little stories. When she was a little girl in Kellogg, they used to get up on the top of their hill and ride their sleds, the real-life sleds that you could steer, down the winding town road through houses, and they'd get together all their little kids, and they'd ride down the snowy roads until the sand truck came by. And she says, here she was, a little five-year-old girl, and she remembers standing as a sand truck went by and wiped out their ski hill, and all the little five-year-olds were going, <laughs> can you picture a little five-year-old Susie going, Boy, when they sand your driveway, God. When your fig tree dies, God. When your cattle in your stalls die, God. Because that's me. That's my natural man. I got to tell you, I, when the light changes red at the wrong time, I'm going, God. <laughs> I'm 61 years old going, God. Nah, nah, nah. But Bert and Pat taught us that perfect peace isn't when there's no storm. When all the lights in the world are bright and shiny for us. But peace is when all the lights in your world go out. And you still sing praises to your God. That was the DNA of my pastor. Over many, many years to hear, I'm going, Bert, you are not normal. And he poured into us again. You know, a picture of peace, he'd say, is not a bird on a branch and a beautiful day singing songs at the top of the... It's when the storm's blowing and the little bird's hanging on with one foot and his little feathers are gone and he's still singing. He goes, that's the picture of peace that I see. The light's always on. God's always good. He's always worth rejoicing over because all those things aren't my light anyway. There's no fig tree, there's no cow, there's no money, there's no job, there's no relationship in this universe that's like the light of my life. And as long as he doesn't go out, I can rejoice in him. Let us rejoice in the Lord. Though all the world's lights go out, there will be a voice rising up from God's children. Yet God is good. Though I look surrounded, I'm not. There were two men that over the course of the last 10 years, I was able to come in during the last days of their life. One was a dear friend from school whose dad was fading with cancer, and he wanted to renew his relationship with Christ. And my friend wasn't going to church or Christian. He goes, Dad wants to get closer to the Lord again. Ralph, would you come over and visit my dad? And I, I was a little shaken. I'm going, oh, man, I don't know his father. And his father was a captain in the military, Captain Howard. He was, man, everybody, a commanding figure. I remembered enough to know that. And over the days, I would spend time with him. And the day came when he was on his bed and breathing his last. And my grandpa's hmm, DNA started to slip through me. My grandpa's, one of his hallmark songs that he sang over the years of his life. Ninety-some years, my grandpa could be heard in the barn singing Psalm 27. The Lord is my light. And I began to sing this over Captain Howard, as he lays there. 
The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Oh, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Oh, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength, the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light. A few years later, I got to go be with Grandpa Arvid in the nursing home the last day of his life. And I'm laying there kneeling, him not responsive, and I'm praying over a man who's lived 97 years good. And his friend was my grandpa. And out of my spirit came as Grandpa Arvid lay there. The Lord is my light. Is he your light this morning? Is he your salvation? Are you afraid? Don't be. If God is for us, who can be against us? The Lord is my light. Come on, join me if you can do it. And my salvation, whom shall I fear? Oh, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Oh, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength, the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Oh, whom shall I fear? Will you stand with us this morning? Do we have an anchor of our soul? Maybe I should say, don't we have an anchor of our soul? Doesn't he anchor us? Settles us down in the midst of the storm. That's what an anchor's for, you know, is the biggest storm can hold, that anchor can hold the biggest ship in the biggest storm. It holds them fast in the midst of the storm. Let's sing this song about being surrounded. Does it, did we shed a new light on this song for you today? Go ahead, Lori. This is how I fight my battles. 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 It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look
Maybe you've never known this Jesus, but I'm telling you, he'll light up your life. If you've never known him, I want you to know this about him. He didn't die for me because I was good. He didn't die for me because I came from a good grandpa. He didn't die for me because I was born in America and I never said a dirty word. God saved me despite myself. While I was yet an enemy of God, shaking my fist at him, God died for me. He died for you this morning. And you, and you. And it's not because of your worth. He is deeming you worthy. You are worthy because he says you're worthy because he made you and God doesn't make any junk. And you can take a $1 million bill and wad it up and step on it. It's still worth a million dollars to God. You're still worth a million dollars to him. I don't care what life's done to you. I don't care what your circumstances have made you look like. I don't care what your confession would be. The cross of Jesus Christ is the undefeated champion of the world against every sin that has ever come up against it. Your sin is tiny compared to the cross of Jesus Christ. This morning, if you want this Jesus who's powerful, who's mighty, who's wonderful, who will light up your life, just ask him. You don't have to have a perfect word. He knows your mind. He knows what you're thinking before you say it. He's not considering or concerned if you're speaking in Taiwan or English or saying, howdy, God. He's saying, yeah, I'm listening. I'm just glad you're looking at me. Look at Jesus this morning, all of us. Whether you've known him forever or known him for weeks or known him for months or never known him, would you look at the face of your Savior this morning? Would you look at the light of your life? Will you fix your eyes upon him and let the screaming of the world die dim this morning? And can you say, Jesus, forgive me for my darkness. Forgive me for not turning to you. Forgive me, oh God, but Jesus, I want you in my life. I want to set my course by your light from now on. God, I've set my course by false lights or no light or my own imagination. And God, I don't like where I'm going and I don't like where I've ended up. So Jesus, from this day forward, will you be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, oh God. And I will follow your light, your will, your way, and I will allow you to illuminate my life, God, and make it new in you. In Jesus' name. Let me be that earth, oh God, where darkness and void exists. And you speak a word of light into me right now. In Jesus' name, he's speaking light into your void. He's speaking light into your darkness. He's speaking light over all aspects of your life. Will you just raise your hand and receive it this morning? It's all you have to do. Say, yes, I want to receive this in Jesus' name. Would you lift your hands right now? Let's sing it again, Lori. And let's accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And let's allow him to bless us with a mighty anchor in our soul.
This is how I fight my battles. If I could have the prayer team come up while you're uh, moving up this way, um, Jesus, the light and the love. You know, and Jesus said, perfect love casts out all fear. If you have need, if you want to re reconnect, recommit to your Jesus, we invite you to come forward. And I'm just going to um, dismiss us. And, and if you have need, your Jesus will meet your need today. God, I thank you for your word today through Kevin, through Lori, through Kyle, through Pastor Ralph. You are our light and our salvation. Let us not forget that when we leave this building and walk out those doors that your light lives within us. And everywhere we go this week, everywhere our feet move, Jesus, you are there. Help us, God, through Jesus, to impact our environments, to pierce the darkness with your light. In Jesus, in your mighty name, Jesus, amen.